Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Hey, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see all of you here today. Let let me just begin by simply saying this. If if you are a longtime family member here or if this is your first time with us or maybe uh, you land somewhere in between that, uh, I just want you to know today that we are genuinely grateful that you have chosen to celebrate Easter with us today. Now, before we get into today's message, I actually want to read a short passage of Scripture out of Matthew chapter 20. If you can, just look at the screen and read this with me. It says this in verse 17. It says, Jesus took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man, that's him, will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day he will be raised from the dead. Gang, those verses not only uh, you know, are the Easter message in a nutshell, but it's also why we are celebrating today is because as we just sang and as we prayed, because Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. Listen, with that being said, and I don't certainly want to take anything away from today's celebration, I would like to step away from the quote-unquote traditional Easter message in hopes that we can all uh, maybe catch a glimpse of a piece of what Jesus has made available through us through His death, burial, and resurrection. And to do so, I actually want to look at a well-known passage of Scripture that comes out of the book of John. Now, as we go through this passage, I simply uh, want to highlight a few things. We'll read, we'll pause, and and just kind of maybe go, hey, here's some things that the Lord's put on my heart. And and I believe as we go through this, if you're just willing to, uh, you know, basically to stir up your faith and stir up your expectancy, I believe God will speak to you today, and I believe He will breathe His resurrection life on you today as well. Amen? So, would you please look at John chapter 11 with me? It says this, As in the village of Bethany there was a man named Lazarus, and his sisters Mary and Martha. One day Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. I want to pause there. Now, now when we see in this verse that he was sick, it doesn't mean that he had a runny nose or he had a stomach ache or he had a headache or he had a flu-like symptoms. Rather, it means that this was the kind of sickness that Lazarus wasn't coming out of in his own strength. So in response to his desperate condition, his sisters, Martha and Mary, they went to the one place where they were sure that they could find help, which was where? Look at verse 3. It says, so his sisters sent a message to Jesus. If I can maybe modernize that for a moment, his sisters prayed. What they prayed, Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. Two words, please come. Listen, is there anyone in here besides me that has ever had a please come, Lord Jesus, moment in your life? Yes? Listen, you know what I'm talking about. It's when your life takes an unexpected turn, right? And suddenly your whole world gets turned upside down, either mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, or all the above. And because of this, you have nowhere to turn but to Him. Now let's pick up the story back in verse 6. It says, Now even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, He remained where He was for two more days. 
I want you to notice those two words, even though, because this is where the tension really enters into this story. Because here's why. It's because Jesus knows that Lazarus is about to die. And guess what? Jesus has already shown that he has the power to heal Lazarus to keep him from dying. But guess what? He doesn't do a thing. Now, please listen. This is what I'm getting at. It's like, what do we do when Jesus shows up late? Like when our prayers aren't being answered, when he doesn't move like we think he should, when things aren't changing as quickly as we want them to change. Come on, wave your hand at me if you know that's where it becomes real. Yeah, that's a real life moment, right? Not where there's goosebumps and everything's all fine and dandy. No, 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 no. What happens when he's late? Listen, it's my experience that if there's ever a time when people begin to question, does God love me? It's in the even though moments of life, right? When God seems to be delayed for whatever reason. Now let's pick it back up. Verse 7. It says, finally on the third day, he said to his disciples, come, it's time to go to Bethany. Then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. It is time that I go and awaken him. How many of you guys know there is a point in time, right? And then it says in verse 12, it says, when they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he's just fallen asleep, then he'll get better. He'll recover. And it says Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, but the disciples presumed he was talking about natural sleep. Then Jesus made it plain to them. He said, fellas, Lazarus is dead. Now, when they arrived at Bethany, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Let's pause here again. Listen, if you don't grab a hold of what I'm about to say, you're probably going to miss everything we're going to talk about. So lean in if you can. Listen, I don't necessarily know what comes to your mind when you hear that word death, but I have personally lived long enough to know that death comes in more than one package, right? Obviously, we all know unless Jesus comes back, we're all going to somehow at some point, uh, you know, have a natural death in this physical body. But over the years, I've learned that death has the ability to reach far beyond our physical bodies into our emotions, into our thought life, and even into our spirits, Guys, it's been my experience that sometimes death looks like straight up sin that separates us from God, right? That sometimes death, right, looks like broken relationships. And what I mean by that is there's relational wounds. I'm just trying to get the ball rolling in our head and hearts. That death can what? It looks like disappointment. It can even look like betrayal. It can look like resentment or strife. It can look like bitterness, anger, or unforgiveness. I know none of us have ever had those. Listen, that death can even look like pride and arrogance. It can look like fear and doubt. It can look like an addiction. It can look like hopelessness. It can look like hopelessness and, or excuse me, loneliness or depression. It can look like rejection. It can even look like marital issues. It can look like lost dreams and aspirations. And guys, it can even look like, and sometimes this is a big one with us folks, it looks like church hurt. And guess what? It can even look like anger. It can look like confusion and misconceptions towards God himself. Listen, while the list can really go on and on and on, once again, I'm just trying to get the ball rolling. What I'm hoping that you and I will see is that death is anywhere that there's the absence of God in our lives. In other words, when we're trying to locate death in our life, where is it? Death is located where there's an absence of God. Why? Because God is life, and if He is not moving in that area, then the opposite is there, which is death. Now, the second thing I want to know says that death is also a sure sign that the enemy has been and is working in our lives. So, guys, with that in mind, let me encourage you with two things. 
The first one is this, is, is while you and I may know each other by name, maybe we even know some details about each other's life, the reality is, is, is guess what? I don't know all the details of your life, right? But I can guarantee you this, and this is the encouraging part, that the Holy Spirit does. Right? Because He's the one that created you. He's the one that gave you a purpose. He's the one that breathed life into you. He's the one that gave you gifts. So guess what? He knows all those things, so that also means if there's something in there that's not of Him, He knows where that death is at too. Right? And the second thing is this, is guess what? Even though we have all lived different lives, in other words, we all have our unique journeys, right, in this life, but guess what? Even in our unique journeys, we still have this one thing in common, and that is this, is that we've all experienced our fair share of death in this life. Meaning this, and guess what? All of us in this room have been broken, have been damaged, and have been hurt in some way. Right? That we've all either had or have skeletons in the closet. So no matter what we try to tell ourselves today or what the enemy wants to try to come and whisper in our ear, guess what? Nobody in this room is alone when it comes to experiencing death. We've all been there, right? Now, listen, because of that, I would like to ask if you are aware of the death that you're currently carrying. Like I would like to ask that. Are you aware of the death you're currently carrying? But see, the reality is, is this, is that most of us in this room, at least to some degree or some level, guess what? We know the death that's in our lives. We know it better than anybody, right? In other words, we know where we've, where we've given up hope. We know where we feel like it's too late for a miracle. We know where we've closed off our hearts like a tomb. We all know where the life of God isn't flowing in our lives. So maybe the more important question for you and for I today is simply this is how will we choose to respond to the death in our lives? Because the truth is, guys, is unfortunately there's no turning back the clock. There's no rewind button on life, right? What is done is done. And so the only thing that can change our future is how we respond to Him. Because I want you to know today, wherever you're at on your journey with God, whatever your thoughts are with Him, at the end of the day, guess what? The only person, the only one that can ever change anything for your future, for the positive, it's Him. It's truth, right? So with that question in mind, how would you and I respond? Let's look at how Martha and Mary chose to respond to the death that occurred in their life. There's a lot to learn here. It says in verse 19, it says, Many friends of Mary and Martha had come from the region to console them over the loss of their brother. Watch this. Here comes the different responses. It says, And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, My Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, maybe I'm being too critical or too suspicious here, but I just uh, think, it's my opinion, that it kind of looks like Martha's way of responding to the death in her life was to blame Jesus for it. Listen, and I would love to say today that no one in this room is guilty of that. But the truth is, is that would be a lie. Right? And the reason is because most of us in this room are guilty of that in one form or another. And it typically begins with simply this, this little two words, why me? Right? And what typically follows is this, is God, if you loved me, God, if you cared for me, then why did you let this happen to me? But listen, if I can just kind of let that hang in the air, have you ever noticed that blaming God or anyone else for that matter never changes a thing? The only thing it changes is you. It makes us more bitter. 
Amen? But watch this. What I love here is that Martha didn't stay in that spot, okay? Because watch how she recovers from her blaming incident. It says this in verse 22. It says, but I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. In other words, he's read the story just like you and I. He knew what was coming. But watch this. It says, she replied, yes, I know he will rise with everyone else on the resurrection day. I don't know where your mind goes, but I just want to go, yay, good theology, Martha. Good job. <laughs> right? L listen, and it says that Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. Y'all hear me. Sometimes our theology gets in the way of a miracle. Right? And I want you to understand that today, whatever your death is, is you don't have to wait until then. Meaning this is that you don't have to go into survival mode for the rest of your life. Meaning that you don't have to settle with death. You don't have to drag a dead body around for the rest of your life. Why? Because he clearly said, I am the resurrection and I am life eternal. Right? And then he says, anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forevermore. So what I love about this is she, she said, okay, here's good theology. And he said, okay, I'll give you a revelation. I am the resurrection and the life. And then it says in verse 26, it says, do you believe this? That is key. Do you believe this? Then Mary replied, yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed one, the son of God who has come into the world for us. Please grab a hold of this. As odd as this might sound, did you notice that even though Jesus and Martha had this nice little theological exchange, nothing changed? Y'all, please hear me. Especially you people that are churchy, hear me. <laughs> Listen, how do we know that? Because Lazarus' death remained in the tomb. My point is this, is sometimes a nice theological, religious answer to our real-life problems don't change a thing. Right? Have you ever been around a person that, man, you just want to dump out your heart, everything, ooh, this is what's going on. Well, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, slap a Band-Aid on it and let's act like everything's okay. No, off you go. And nothing changes. Anybody ever met that person? Y'all look at me like I'm crazy. Some of y'all don't want to say yes because you're married to them. Amen. All right, here we go. I'll let y'all settle that over lunch. All right, here we go. Listen, I just think it's this, because like we see here in Martha's response, just because we have a right answer up here in our heads, it doesn't mean that it will cause Jesus to move to action in our lives. Now hear me. Just because you know the Bible verse, just because you can quote it, doesn't mean Jesus will move on it. Now let's turn our attention to Mary's response because it's the right response. In verse 28 it says this. It says, Then Martha left and hurried off to her sister Mary and called her aside from all the mourners and whispered to her, The Master is here and He's asking for you. Man, if there's anything that I could get in your heart this morning is this. Man, we've been praying. We've been believing. We've been going, Jesus, would you come and move? And what I'm trying to say is I hope you realize today that the Master is here and He's calling for you. That he's here for a personal encounter with you today. You think you just come in, oh, it's Easter, we'll go to church. No, 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 no. The master is here and he's calling for you. 
So it says this in verse 29. It says, so when Mary heard this, this should be our response today. She quickly went off to find him. She didn't need to be convinced. She quickly went off to find him. For Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same spot where Martha met him. Now when Mary's friends who were comforting her noticed how quickly she ran out of the house. They followed her, assuming she was going to the tomb of her brother to mourn. When Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Watch this, because this is where it gets really interesting. Do you notice that when Mary arrived at the place where Jesus was, that her words were not any different than her sister's? Right. right? In other words, they both said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I want you to notice something. There's a huge difference between what the two actually said. And it's, here's the difference. It's wrapped around one word. It's the word posture. Notice that Martha went out to meet him so she could, what looks like, for lack of better words, give him a piece of her mind, if you would have been here, right? But Mary, if you notice, she actually took the exact same posture she always took, at his feet with tears in her eyes. <laughs> See, here's what's incredible about this, is while Martha's words were potentially filled with blame, and ultimately just a religious patent answer. Mary's, on the other hand, were filled with brokenness, and that thing we keep talking about, dependency. And because it was from dependency, from a position broken of, if you were here, in other words, I trust you, right? To understand that, guess what? Because it came from her heart, guess what? It moved Jesus' heart. Because why? Because her heart was pure, it was right, therefore he was moved with compassion, and he was moved to action. I'm here to tell you today, some people in this room are disappointed at what God hasn't done. And the problem is, the disconnect is you've tried to approach it from here, and He wants this. He wants your heart, right? So listen, we can grab a hold of this. Notice once again, it wasn't the right theological answer that moved Him. It was the authentic gut-level honesty that Mary poured out at His feet that touched His heart. How do we know that's true? Look at what it says in verse 33. It says, when Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet, so different than Martha, it says, and all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. Now listen, I don't know what your thoughts are about God. He is definitely a holy God. But guess what? There's a side of him, guess what, that has tenderness and it's full of compassion. It says, and he said to them, watch this, where did you bury him? He was moved. Here's the corresponding action. They said, Lord, come with us and we'll show you. They replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. It says, then Jesus, with intense emotions, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, notice the key word, them, roll away the stone. Please listen to what I'm about to say because it's critical if we're going to get anywhere in the kingdom today. It's simply this, is that Jesus can feel all the compassion in the world for you. He can even weep over the death that you have experienced in your life. But unless you're willing to do your part, which is the first part, by rolling away the stone, by allowing him to actually open up your heart, guess what? The God who is omnipotent, the God who has all power, he cannot do a thing. Why? Because he will never override the free will he gave you. Yes? 
Listen, in fact, I feel like somebody needs to hear this today. I just think, could be a million miles off or this may be right on the money, but I think there's probably somebody in this room today that, guess what, you've had people that have been praying for the tomb, or you know, praying basically that the stone of your tomb would be rolled away. In other words, they've been praying. They've been believing God. They know the deaths in your life, and they've been praying, man, that that stone would be rolled away. But guess what? I want you to know today that their prayers will still require your assistance. See, their prayers can actually bring Jesus, right? It can bring Jesus literally front and center of your tomb. But unless you choose to respond to him by rolling away what's in between you and him, guess what? Nothing's going to happen. So over the years, here's what I've learned. You know, I've been working with people a long time. And I've learned that so many of us, the reason we don't actually roll that stone away is because we get caught up on the next part. And it says this in verse 39. It says, Then Martha said, notice it wasn't Mary, it was Martha, right? But Lord, it's been four days since he died. By now his body is already decomposing. Other translations put it plainly. They simply say this, He has been dead four days and he stinks. In other words, beyond that stone, it smells like death, right? And I love it because Jesus said this, and you'll learn a lot about him with this too. He says, Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you will believe in me, you will see God unveil his power? In other words, there's got to be some action with that revelation I gave you, gal, right? So listen, with that, I have loads of compassion because guys, if I can say, look, I've been there, trust me, right? You're not the only one in this room has been scared to roll away the stone because you're afraid of the smell of death or the emotions, right, that it will release into the room. We've all been there, right? We all got things that are tucked away nicely in their place. We think. They come out, right? Somebody presses our button and that thing automatically, like a jack-in-the-box, comes out, right? <laughs> But, but I just think this, once again, if you could just understand, man, there's, there's not one of us in here that isn't afraid in some way to be vulnerable because of what others might say or what others may think about us, right? But, but if I can just maybe ask you today, just think about this, is how long will we, how long will you keep redecorating your tomb? Right? It's like acting like if I just redecorate this year, everything will be just fine. Right, and so we go down to TJ Maxx, right, and we pick out some new drapes, and we, and we go pick out a bedspread, and, we, you know, we, we go, okay, ah, oh, look at this, it looks good, or maybe we put another coat of makeup on, or we go get a new outfit, or we go buy a toy, but I want you to know that those things will never replace the death that's inside of you, right? If I could say it another way, maybe a little cheesy, that Febreze can only cover so much, <laughs> Right? <laughs> And the crazy part is, I don't know if you've ever been in someone's house that stinks, but it's like they can go and they can spray that, spray that Febreze and that cat pee still coming through. Yeah, and the thing is, is, watch this, they're so used to it, they don't even smell it. But everybody around them smells it. So, so maybe today we just need to have a moment where we stop and you just turn to your neighbor and go, hey, can you tell me the death of my life because I'm having a hard time seeing it and let your spouse tell you what it is. Anyway, so you can talk about that over lunch too. Anyways, <coughs> just not you. Okay, all right, here we go. Can't tell, I'm playing. <laughs> Listen, sometimes I think we hold on to our death so tight that we actually miss the unconditional love that, that God wants to pour out on us. 
right? And, and what I'm trying, trying to convey today, and I hope we can understand is this, is that, that he doesn't stand in front of our tomb and, and try to call out those dead things in our life because he wants to embarrass us. He's not in today. He doesn't want to humiliate you, okay? So he's not trying to embarrass us, but what he does is he does stand there and he calls out all that death because he wants to breathe his resurrection life into it. Yes. Amen? Amen. So, so just, you know, if you can just kind of grab this today that you don't have to keep redecorating any longer. Like, take a break, sis. Take a break, dude, right? You, you don't have to keep redecorating. Uh, it's like this. After all, listen, as we see in that story, Jesus isn't afraid of the smell. Right? Like your issues aren't too difficult or too big for him. And guess what? He's not running away from you. In fact, somebody in this room probably feels like you're a thousand miles away from Jesus. But I want you to know if you just kind of do this, he's right there. Because <laughs> he's been pursuing, right? Because he's not afraid of your mess, right? And so all you and I have to do is we just have to take a step towards him in faith. And as we do, we need to believe that, guess what? That stone will begin to roll and he will do exactly what he told Martha. If you believe, you will see the miraculous power of God where? In your life. Amen. Amen. So watch this. In faith, it says in verse 41, because it is an act of faith. They rolled away the heavy stone. There's that some of us got some stuff that's been in there so long, man. I'm not talking about a pebble. We're talking about a big old rock here. It's a big stone that needs to be moved. But it says this, it says that Jesus gazed, gazed into heaven and said this, Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer, for you listen to every word I speak. Now so that these who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to the earth as your messenger, I will use the power you have given me. Then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Love that. Listen, over the years, I've heard several people mention that if Jesus didn't specifically call Lazarus by name, then guess what? Then basically every dead person on that hillside would have risen from the dead. I can't argue with that. We're talking about the man who spoke and the universe was created. Okay? He's the one that the day they came to arrest him and they said, basically, we're looking for this guy. He said, I am. And 600 people fell to the ground like they were dead. There's power in that man's words, right? But, but listen, the thing that I want us to maybe take away from this today is this, that is that in spite of the smell of death that's on us, in spite of the condition maybe that we're in, and even though, guess what, that we may be may just covered in death and we may even be a thousand miles away from him, guess what? Jesus still knows you by name. Right? That he still knows right where you are. He knows your situation. He knows your past. And he hasn't given up on you because he is invested in your future. That's why he shed his blood. Right? So you're not forgotten today. You are loved. Now, listen, I don't know what runs through your mind when you hear all that, but that produces a tremendous amount of hope in my heart. Yeah. Amen? Listen, over the years, when I have thought about Easter, I have thought, man, the Easter story is really a story of unconditional love. That's an accurate statement, right? I have thought that the Easter story is a story of undeniable power, right? The, the resurrection is pretty incredible. Selfless sacrifice. I've thought, man, it's a story of forgiveness. It's a story of mercy and grace. It's a story of freedom. And it is certainly the story of redemption, right? And I think all those things, while they may be true and help us get a, a complete picture of what Jesus accomplished for us to his death, burial, and resurrection, what I feel compelled to tell you today in light of death, that guess what? That the Easter story, like the story of Lazarus, is still a story of hope. Yes. Right? Because why? Because he still has the ability to bring death 
to life. So I don't care where you're at today. Listen, it is not too far, too strong for Jesus to redeem it. Amen? Listen, we know this is true because the story goes on to say this. Hang with me and we'll close. It says in verse 44, it says, Then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands and feet and covered his face. And Jesus said to them, Unwrap him and let him loose. I declare that in Jesus' name over you today, that you will be unwrapped and things will be let loose in your life. So it says, From that day forward, many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in him, for they had seen with their own eyes this amazing miracle. I'm going to read verse 45 again. It says, From that day forward, many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in him, and they had seen with their own eyes this amazing miracle. Why am I reading that to you? Watch this. <coughs> Basically, the stone was rolled away, but I want you to recognize that Lazarus didn't stay in there. He didn't, he didn't literally say, okay, thanks for the light. I was redecorating over here. I needed that. Right? In other words, and, and he didn't sit in there and peep out and say, oh, man, that's awesome. Thanks, Jesus. Glad you know me by name. See, that, that's, the reason I'm saying that is because so often that's what religion offers. You stay in the grave. You stay in death. And it just pretends and looks like you're free. No, 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 no. Jesus said, move that stone because he wanted you to walk out of that tomb. Yeah. There's a place of freedom and life and hope in him, right? And, and so if we could just maybe understand today that once again, there's more, there were more steps to the process. Yes, we removed the stone so he can deal with things. But guess what? We don't stay there. We move forward in Him. And if we can understand today that as we move forward, maybe it's in our marriage, maybe it's with our kids, maybe it's with some place of calling somebody and saying, look, I forgive you. I, I, look, I don't know what your story is and where the death is in you, but I think if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to let Jesus touch your life, then guess what? That last part will happen. It says that many had come and visited Mary. They believed in Him. In other words, when they see what happens in your life, they'll go, I believe in Jesus because that was real. Right? And listen, go on, because they've seen it with their own eyes that you are a living miracle of what God can do. Amen? Amen. Can you stand to your feet, please? If you can, just go ahead and close your eyes. See, there's something I want to tell you today that I really love about Jesus. And it's this. It's no different than in the story that when we begin to think in our own lives, when we begin to believe that all hope is lost, guess what? Just as it said there, one of the starting verses, right on time, Jesus walks calmly up to our tomb and he restores hope. So listen, even though I realize that there's people in this room today, you're having a really hard time seeing past your death. I want you to know that he has been moving behind the scenes. And while you have been struggling and fighting with the issues of death, guess what? He has triumphantly conquered the power of sin and death. And while you have been sitting there struggling with disbelief and unbelief, right? And lack of faith, whatever words you want to call it, doubt. Guess what? He has quietly orchestrated the events of heaven and earth to accomplish his purpose for your life. Why has he done that? He's done that because he loves you. No other reason. He loves you. And so I want to ask you this morning, what is one area, with every eye closed, what is one area of your life where you could use some hope today? 
Like what's one area in your life that you know that you know that you know, man, death resides there. The life of God is not moving and I need God to come right now because it is time. Listen, I'm just going to simply ask you in your own heart to begin to engage with him. And I'm also going to encourage you, don't, don't try to struggle and try to figure out all the, all the solutions. Don't try to figure out the details because you'll never understand how God works. He's bigger than us. But I can say this, is if you're willing to accept the invitation to do what? To move that stone, you will be amazed at how the resurrection life of God will begin to flow into that area of your life. So let me pray for you today. If you can, if that's you, just lift both hands, please, to heaven. Say, just Jesus, please come, right? Please come. We've had enough of either, even though moments, please come now. So, Lord, I'm asking you, God, just like Mary and just like Martha did, God, would you please come in this moment? God, I ask that you would increase your presence and increase your anointing in this room. God, I pray that you would pull back the veil so we could see the death that's in our life. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would expose it today. Father, we've become too common with it. We've become too familiar with it. We've accepted it. We've settled it. And, God, some of us have been dragging dead folks around behind us for years. But, God, we're asking today, God, is we step out in faith that that stone would move and God we pray just like as you call Lazarus that you would call us by name and you would tell us to come forth and so Lord today God I speak God just prophetically and by the spirit I tell folks today to come forth in Jesus name I thank you for life today Father I pray that as we come forth that our emptiness would collide with your fullness God I ask that our hurt God would collide with your healing God I ask that our hopelessness will collide with your hope God I'm asking today that our depression would collide with your joy. I'm asking that turmoil that's inside of us would collide with your peace. I'm asking God that the anger and the disappointment would collide with your love. And God, I'm asking God most of all that the sin that's in our lives would collide with your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. So God, I thank you today for life. I thank you for hope. I thank you for peace. I thank you for restoration in Jesus' name. I don't care what the devil said. God, we bind those lies and we break those lies. And God, we just ask God today that your truth would prevail in us. And God, that life, God, that you would take this death and God, you would exchange it for life today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If I can add something to that. Listen, if you go back to that story, it simply said this. It says, as Jesus called him forth, it said that he hobbled out of the grave, right? And they begin to take those strips of cloth off of him, right? Face covering and the strips of cloth. And, and the reason I say that is because even though he came out, there was still a process that needed to happen. And so, so often we come to church and if we don't have this boom moment, we think God didn't do anything. And that's not true. We don't live by emotions. We live by faith. Amen. And, and so, so there's this single part that we understand that, man, if Jesus pricked your heart, if he touched you somehow today, then maybe when you go home today, after you eat your fried chicken and your chocolate cake and drink your sweet tea, praise the Lord Jesus, right? After you have that Easter lunch moment, okay, that, that maybe this afternoon, maybe tomorrow, sometimes this week, you can actually go before the Lord with some gut level honesty like Mary and say, you know what, God, that's the death that's in my life. Would you please breathe your resurrection life into it and just get real with the Lord and begin to allow him to bring revelation but also that you get your heart engaged with that revelation so true life change can happen because he loves you and I promise you if you're living in death you're not living in God's best for you. Amen.
Amen. So I bless you today to walk in the fullness of God. He has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. And we just call you forth into that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.